0: How would your life be different if you handled suffering better? What's the right way to handle suffering? In today's passage, we're going to see that every single time you suffer, it's an opportunity to join with Christ in the most important work in the universe. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Paul wanted power. He wanted to know Christ in such a way to where he would receive the very power of Christ's resurrection. But power to do what? What's he gonna do with all this power? Power to to work miracles, power to control people, power to control circumstances so that things work out the way you want them, power to avoid suffering. What, 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 Paul? Power to do what? Verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He wants power to suffer. He wants power to suffer. The word translated fellowship, or your Bible might say sharing in his suffering, that, that's that word koinonia. You know that word. That's from chapter 1. Remember when he said, I have all this joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now? Partnership, that's that same word. And I think he's using it the same way here. He wants to know Christ in a partnership where Paul partners up with Christ in this work of suffering to bring about redemption. And that's, partnering up with Christ for suffering makes for a pretty tough life, which is why he needs so much power. That's what he wanted the power for. If you can see your suffering like that, if you can see your suffering as partnering with Jesus Christ in his work, instead of just rotten luck, it'll change your life. Joining with Christ in his suffering is one of the greatest privileges of a Christian. We saw that back in chapter 1. If you just look back, chapter 1, verse 29, remember he said, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him. It's been granted as a gift. That's grace. You get to suffer for Him. Christ is doing a great work in this world, right? He's doing a great work, the work of redemption. And it's happening uh, through the suffering of Christ. That's how He's doing this work, is through Christ's sufferings, Jesus suffered in his earthly life and on the cross, to, so the, and that suffering continues now through his body, the church. We suffer to carry on Christ's work of redemption throughout the whole church age. That's what our suffering is, our suffering with Christ. That's what it is. We're partnering with him. Colossians 1.24, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church what our suffering does is it takes the grace that Jesus purchased on the cross and delivers it face-to-face personally to people who need it. That's what he wanted. Christ died to purchase grace, but he wanted that grace delivered personally to people. He wanted people to hear an audible voice and to have hands and arms that could embrace them and be there physically, someone they could see and a voice that could respond to their needs in the moment. He wanted all that, and that's our role. And so we do that, but doing that requires suffering. And we rejoice in that because that suffering is us partnering with Christ in the work of redemption. Jesus died to save the world and we participate in that through our own suffering in ministry. Sometimes it's intense suffering, you know, beatings, imprisonment. Other times it's less severe. You know, not all suffering for Christ is uh, torture and being burned at the stake and all that. Sometimes it's the suffering of loss. Following Christ means saying goodbye to something that was really precious to you. Paul had a whole lot of that. He needed a whole lot of power for that because he had to say goodbye to pretty much everything in life. And you're going to lose things too. If you follow Christ, you will lose things. If someone hurts you and you follow Christ, you just lost your right to revenge. You lost it because you're following Christ and He doesn't allow revenge. If you have a strong desire for something that God forbids, like sex outside of marriage or taking something that isn't yours, indulging in some sinful pleasure that He forbids, then you just following Christ means you lost that. You can't have that. People mock you for following Christ. Well, you just lost their respect. That hurts, right? That's suffering. If following Christ means it's going to take up a lot of your time, you're going to spend time reading Scripture, spend time in prayer, spend time in ministry, it's going to take up all this time, and you could have used that time doing something else that you want to do, now you just lost that time, right? That hurts. If following Christ means helping somebody out financially, giving to the church, saying no to some high-paying job because it's not good for you spiritually, whatever, then you just lost that money. All of those are forms of suffering for Christ. There's also the suffering of being... The first one to say, I'm sorry. When you get into it with somebody and you have to humble yourself and somehow it just hurts to say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. There's the suffering of confessing your sins to the people that you hurt with your sin. There's the suffering of having to rebuke somebody for their own good when everything in you just wants to just ignore it. There's the suffering of losing friends when you won't go where they want to go. There's suffering like Lot experienced, where he was tormented in his righteous soul just by being surrounded by wickedness. You know, that hurts. It hurts just to live in this society, just to turn on the news, and just to see the wickedness around us. It, 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 for a person who loves righteousness, ah, oh, that hurts just to see it all. That's suffering for Christ. When you say no to the flesh, in those moments when the flesh is being especially insistent, that hurts. That's suffering. Even though, now all these things that I've talked about as loss, if you were here last week, you know that those things aren't really loss, right? They're gain. They're great gain. If you get Christ instead of all that stuff, that's great gain. But nevertheless, in the immediate moment, you feel it as loss because of that earthly thing, the, the, the loss of it is immediate, and the gain that you get might be delayed, right? So, so it, it hurts. There's the suffering of considering other need, others' needs as more important than your own. And you're looking out for everybody else's interest and nobody's looking out for your interests. And that's lonely and it hurts. There's the suffering of the loneliness of being the only one that's following Christ in this instance. All these different ways of suffering for Christ. But I think, I think the main one that, that is, is in mind here is the suffering of ministry. Suffering connected to ministry. All the problems, all the headaches, all the heartaches and heartbreaks that go along with trying to serve in ministry, that's the suffering that we undergo to join and partner with Christ in the work of redemption. And any time any of that kind of suffering happens, it's so important for us to see this as evidence of our koinonia, our partnership, our fellowship with Christ and His work. Um, Moises Silva, the commentator, he wrote a great commentary on Philippians, and he says this, the stinging reality of Christian suffering is a reminder that we have been united with Christ. Such a great statement. The stinging reality of Christian suffering is a reminder we've been united with Christ. Every single time you suffer for Christ, in any of those ways, just reminder. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. I'm one with Christ. I'm a partner with him. So you're trying to do some ministry and you get it gets really hard because people are causing problems for you and all that, and that's all you see? All you see is these people, these people that are causing problems for you and what they're doing? That's so nearsighted, right? That's so nearsighted. That's just them. Look up. Look up and see the big picture. See what's really happening. The response isn't, oh, that guy is such a big pain in the neck in this ministry, so I quit. No, it's, it's this is really hurting me. Oh, that's right. I'm one with Christ. I've partnered up with Christ in in his sufferings so that through that suffering, we can get the work of atonement done. This problem I'm going through right now, this suffering that I'm having right now, that's, that's me knowing Christ. This is me partnering with Christ. This is me working right alongside my Savior in his most glorious work. When Paul suffered for Christ, he did have dreams are coming true. This is what I said I wanted in Philippians 3. I said I wanted to know Christ like this, to, to partner with his sufferings, to be so close that I'm his partner in suffering. So not only is the suffering a reminder that you are one with Christ, but it's the very means God uses to make you even more united with Christ, to bring you closer to him. That's also in the idea of koinonia, fellowship. The more you suffer for him, the deeper your knowledge of him goes. All right, so what does it mean to know Christ? Power, partnership, and then one more. Pattern. Look at verse 10 again. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, partnership of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So Paul wants to be like Jesus in his death. Well, what was Jesus like in his death? Well, Paul describes that in chapter 2. Just look at chapter 2. Remember he gave Jesus as the supreme example of putting others' interests ahead of your own? So just start reading from verse 3 there. He says, "...do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves, each of you looking not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others." There's a command. Now here's the example, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. That is what Jesus was like in his death. That's what Paul just got done saying in chapter 2. Jesus died as an example of selflessness, putting others' needs ahead of your own, and He did that out of obedience to the Father. Out of obedience. And Paul says, I want to be like that. I want that. I want to be morphed into that shape. I want to look like he looked there. I want to be that. I want to be molded and conformed and shaped to look just like Jesus looked when he died. Now, does that mean that Paul is saying he wants to be martyred? I don't think so. I don't think he's talking about death here. I think he's talking about life, the way way he wants to live. He wants to live like Jesus died. Paul says, I want to live the way Jesus died. I want to live my life in a way that imitates the pattern that Jesus laid down in his death. Serving the needs of others ahead of my own interests out of obedience to God. And so that's that third aspect of knowing Christ. That's what it means to know Christ. You really draw, Christ, draw near to Christ relationally when you live this way Selflessly. Every time you have some hard relationship issue, some difficult ordeal, some delicate situation, some scary situation, you're going into it thinking, I want to handle this situation in the way that Jesus handled the whole cross thing. I want to reflect that. We want to be walking billboards that point to the death of Christ in the way that we live. We want to know Christ in that way. So, that's what it looks like to know Christ. To get that power, use that power to partner up with him in his suffering, in ministry, and then to follow the pattern of his death. Of all the hardships, difficulties, and disappointments of ministry, which are the hardest for you to remember, this is partnership with Christ. Use your imagination to place yourself in that kind of suffering while remembering that it is suffering with Christ, partnership with Christ. Try to pay attention to each time you experience any kind of discomfort today that is a result of your commitment to Christ, any difficulty in carrying out your calling. Each time that happens, remind yourself that it's a partnership with Christ in his sufferings and that it requires power from God. Then seek that power from God to endure it in a way that resembles Jesus on the cross. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.